0: This is the Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 172. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of sharpenedartist.com, and I'm joined as usual by my co host Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today?
1: I am great. How are you?
0: I'm doing never better. This is the show about colored pencil where we discuss anything and everything surrounding this medium that we love so much. So, Lisa, what are we talking about today?
1: We are going to talk about when Lightfast might not matter so much to you. I mean, we talk about light fast all the time
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the importance of it. But is there a time where you don't need to worry about it so much?
0: Yeah, this is kind of a difficult one for me <laughs> because... It's just ingrained inside of me, I think, you know, um, to think a lot about whether something is light fast, So much so, uh, you're probably the same way, Lisa, but I, I segregate all of my pencils, you know. Yes. I, I take them and I, you know, banish them to the woods, you know, to, so to speak. I put them in a separate drawer. I have them so separated from everything else. Uh, They go in a separate
1: cup for me that I use for taking quick notes, but they're not anything to do with art.
0: Right, right. And so, and it does seem like a waste, you know, you're you're paying money for a lot of these products and then you got to give up, you know, a third of them at times, things like that. So yeah. When is it okay to uh, just use them and not consider the light fast rating on a particular product? Or if you know that it is fugitive, when is it okay to use it.
1: And you get asked quite often, what does light fast mean? Light fast just means how fast is that, like let's say you draw something with your colored pencils, certain colors are going to fade faster when exposed to light than other colors. That may be within a few months, it may be a hundred years. So that's why it matters. We don't wanna sell something to somebody and have it fade in it in a few years. If somebody's paying good money, they expect it to last. And so as the artist, we need to be aware of that and we need to use colors that are not going to fade on them. But there are a few times, at least for me, that I will go ahead and use items. I love ink I love watercolor pencils, including Derwent's watercolor pencils. And many of those are not light fast, but I still want to use them. Why would I risk it? if I know they're not light fast, So there are a few reasons for me. One is just the experience of the medium. With intense, with Derwin's watercolor pencils, I love how they work. I enjoy working in them. Now, it's important to me, though, that they are fast mediums. I, I want to point that, throw that out there. If that was something that I was going to spend months or weeks to complete one piece I'm going to go with stuff I know is light fast. It's not worth it to me to put that kind of time into something that I can't sell the original on. But let's say going back to ink tents or watercolor pencils. I can have it done in one or two nights max. I mean, I can have it done in a day if I want something that's fairly elaborate because it's such a fun or a fast medium to work in. And then be, for me, I just think it's fun. So that would be for me one reason it's worth it to go ahead and do something that I cannot sell the original of knowing it's not light fast. It's still worth it to me because I enjoyed the process so much. It's just such a fun way to work.
0: Yeah. Now, I just want to back up for one second and just say that, you know, because we may have said something is light fast if it uh, doesn't fade when exposed to light. And I just want to say, just put a real fine point on that and just say that it is UV light that we're talking about. Ultraviolet light spectrum. You know we have to be careful about that as well because uh, some light bulbs actually will emit uh, a UV light as well. Some of the things that you could also do is you you could take some of these works that you've created, maybe some smaller works that you've done in a light fast or a non light fast medium or one that has poor light fast r- ratings and you could use that for prints and there's nothing wrong with that because you know the print you, you would have to make sure you know that you're getting a fine art print done and you're reselling that you can photograph any of these works and you know make sure that you do a, a good job on uh, creating uh, a great Photo of whatever the work is, and then you can resell that. And that's one way, I mean, in a way, that's kind of a smart thing to do because you're not wasting anything. Then you're even using some of your poor light fast rating materials, and you can even use non archival things, you know, to create. This artwork, but you're still getting use out of it, and you're still supporting your business if you're doing art as a business uh, by creating these prints. And people love that kind of thing. I mean, you even sell Lisa, don't you? Sell like um, uh, mugs or something, cups or whatever. Yeah, you can I coffee you mugs, phone yeah.
1: cases. So, I mean, pillows. Some work yeah, art so on you pillows
0: now. Uh, do all kinds other- of things. The
1: other great thing is a lot of these mediums that are not super light fast, like for me, some of the ink tints or some of the watercolor, some of those, they photograph because they're, they've dry matte. Which I love because that makes for the such a great and easy way to get a photograph. So, I mean, it's something that if I'm like, okay, I want to make a print available of, let's say, an octopus. If I do that in a certain, let's say, colored pencil, I'm going to spend weeks and weeks to week and weeks to do it because it's going to take me so long. If I do it in ink tints or I do it in one of these other mediums that may not be so light fast. It's it's still worth it to me because that print, I can work large. That's another bonus for me, at least the intense blocks. I can work really large, really fast. But it makes such a good print that it may be worth it to me to go ahead and sacrifice not being able to sell an original for being able to get that print out and ready right away. So sometimes, you know, just the speed of things, depending on the medium you're working in. Now, I can work in other mediums very fast that aren't light fast, and you're always going to weigh the pros and cons to everything. But for me, that's just such a big deal, being able to get a good photo, get it done quickly. And again, going back to, I just enjoy working in some of those mediums.
0: Well, you're also able to supply some artwork for a you know a demographic or a particular portion segment of your fan base that maybe isn't able to afford an original or something like that so they're able. Yeah there are to- a lot of
1: benefits to having those prints available and mm-hmm. I'll just throw this out there because I know I get a lot of questions about that. How do I do my prints? For me right now I just sell them through a print on demand site. It's Fine Art America. Or I think they are Pixels now. I'm not sure. If you look up either name it'll show up. But it's a print on demand so I just have to upload a high quality high resolution photograph to their website or I do as a JPEG, upload that to their website, then I don't have to pay the money initially for a printer or for having the prints made. It's just on their website. And if somebody orders it, I get a percentage of that. Now, that's not always a fit for everybody. It depends on what you want. For me, I don't have the time to make my own prints and the the, the upfront cost of yeah. you know doing it yourself or ordering them and then shipping them out. And it, it takes a lot more work. So for me, the print on demand worked really well. But that's what I do. You just have to make sure you have a really, really good photograph of that print. And for me, some people, if it's a smaller piece, you can scan it. But I use a DSLR camera to get a really good photograph that way.
0: Fine Art America or whatever they're calling themselves now, they use archival materials, I'm guessing. On their, As
1: far, yeah, it, last I checked, I mean, I haven't looked okay. again lately. I don't know if they've changed anything, but yeah. yeah I yeah. don't know that I'd say they're going to last hundreds of years, but you're not paying but, uh, for an yeah. original, you know.
0: Or a G clay, so yeah. you're getting just a fine art print. So yes. I think people expect that so It's like a poster. poster to, yeah, or, they expect that to fade if they put it in direct sunlight, yeah. and that kind of thing. So other, otherwise, yeah, they know they're getting a fine art print. That's yeah. That's really cool.
1: Now, another reason going back to time next on our list would be for books or illustrations. Sometimes you need to get a lot of artwork done very, very quickly. If you're illustrating a book or doing something like that, sometimes these mediums that aren't as light fast may be the fastest way for you to work or working digitally. I mean, when you go into that, a lot of this, I think, is very – you can really compare it to digital art because you're not even going to have an original there. It's all – a jpeg you're producing. So something like that though with for me if I had to illustrate a book for somebody, I would encourage or if it needed to be something done very quickly, again, probably ink tensor or watercolor would be the two mediums that I work in the fastest that I could get, you know, high detail very very quickly. There's another good um good reason that you might cuz because then the books are what's being printed. You're not selling the original artwork to people. Now, mm-hmm. if you wanted to then I would go back if you thought the book was going to be very popular and you might be able to sell some of those originals for a lot. Then I would back up and go ahead and spend extra time or, you know, use the light fast materials.
0: All right. So next you could use some of these materials for your sketchbooks because most of the time you're not, you know, ripping that out and using that page to frame or anything like that. It's staying closed up in a book. And so it's not going to be exposed to UV light very often. Uh, if at all, because you're keeping it in a book. And most of the time, I mean, if you're sketching, you're doing that for practice anyway. You're doing that to get better at whatever it is that you're working on. Maybe you're uh, working on values. Maybe you're working on a particular subject matter. You're doing thumbnail sketches or whatever. So some of those mediums, like, I I like the way they they feel and the the way you're using them, and especially – you know, I just like gum Arabic in a pencil. I mean, it just feels so good to use. And if I can't use every pencil, then at least I could use those with a sketchbook and say, okay, I'm only going to use these fugitive colors when I'm using a sketchbook. Uh, Another good tip while we're on sketchbooks, just very quickly, a little bonus here I'll throw in here, (laughs) is just take a piece of tape. I've seen people I really get hung up on this but take it take a piece of tape and uh, at the top of the page and just put some you know cut some glassine paper out and stick that in there and that way you can protect that piece a little bit better
1: the next thing for me that i might use colors and not worry about the mean light fast or not, is if I'm making a color composition. I've got a design that I want to do. Now, when I want to design, there have been times where I'll design something in a sketchbook um, or on just a scratch piece of paper. When you're doing these color compositions, just get an idea of, okay, I'm going to paint this giraffe. Is he going to look better with a maroon background, a green background, whatever? I can do these quick just color compositions where I'm testing these certain colors together to see what looks good. And then using... Pencils that aren't light fast, or whatever materials aren't light fast, that really doesn't matter because again, we're talking about artwork. That color comp is not being sold. That's just for me to to test out color com- color combinations to see if that's going to work for me. Um, and sometimes those non light fast materials, I keep going back to this. Sometimes they're very fast to work in, and if I want to do something quickly, that may be the best choice for me.
0: Mm, That's an interesting idea. The thing about that is it might turn out that you really love that particular color, that particular everything about it. And then you're like, oh, I can't use it on that larger piece, though, because...
1: And then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to make a print out of this.
0: Yeah. All right. So next, it's a good thing to use some of these materials when you're teaching or you're just giving some instruction uh, for some primary things, when you're just learning something or you're teaching Um, I do this often with students with newsprint. I use newsprint a lot because, you know, just doing thumbnails like we talked about with the sketchbook piece or that bullet point, it's something quick and easy. You don't think of it as precious. You can just quickly go through something you know you're not going to keep it. That's a good time to use some materials that you know are not light fast.
1: Yeah, and while we're throwing out again, we talked about this at the beginning. I mean, we're bringing up a lot of reasons that it really wouldn't be a big deal if you use materials that weren't light fast. Don't mistake that as like, oh, well, I can just use non light fast colors in my work. I mean, it just it depends on what you're doing. If you are selling it, I don't think it's ever okay to use non light fast colors in work that you're not selling. Now, I have had people that like certain intense pieces that I I painted, and they they wanted to buy them, and it's like. You know, I'm not comfortable doing that. If somebody really insisted, I would just have to make sure that was somebody who completely understood what Lightfast was, put it behind UV, you know, was willing to frame it behind UV glass and understood this is not going to last as long. Now, that would be another question I often get when it comes to Lightfast is, can't I just put it behind UV protecting glass or use a UV spray? Absolutely. That is going to help. It's not as good as you doing that in combination with Lightfast materials, but that is Something that you can do to help. So, like, I've got some pieces on my, my wall that I like the work that I created, but I knew that they were not light fast. They've been behind the UV glass for years and they've been okay, but we're only talking about three, four years. So, that still could, you know, in the next 10, 15 years, that may not be the case. Even behind the light UV protecting glass, because that's only filtering out so much.
0: UV-resistant glass, though, does filter out a lot. Yes. Um, And using common sense and educating your buyer that, you know, that you do do not put this in direct sunlight or daylight or use bad bulbs. Um, And then also spraying your work uh, and then protecting it behind UV-protected glass does help all of those things. But, yeah, it comes down, though, also to an ethical issue with you know if you feel like that there is a chance that this might fade over time then it's probably something that you should just just not do and it'll help you sleep better uh, keep your conscience clean by not doing it not selling so true
1: I did and I've told this story before but years and years and years ago when I first started oil painting I thought I could save money by buying a linseed oil from the hardware store because you you can get a gallon of that for like five bucks or whatever it was versus spending $20 on this tiny little amount. I don't know. I'm throwing out numbers that aren't out. But you get the the gist of that. And I used this linseed oil and the paintings came out fine. It worked fine at the time. The end result was fine. And within, I want to say it was less than a year and I had already sold a bunch of them at an art festival. Now, I wasn't selling them for a lot. They were maybe $40. But to this day, I still feel guilty that I sold work that ended up, the, the linseed oil ended up Separating from the oil in a way I had these big yellow runs down the artwork. Like it looked like someone dripped something on it. It was the weirdest thing. I still don't understand the science behind why. I understand why it yellowed. I don't understand why it like separated and dripped and it. looked. I mean, it it wasn't something that you could hang on your wall anymore. And I I still feel absolutely terrible that I sold any like that. And that was just because it wasn't because I was, okay, yes, I was trying to be cheap, but I was also very ignorant on the fact that that could even happen or something could go wrong, you know? And I feel That was, what, over 20 years ago, and I still feel terrible about it.
0: Oh, interesting. All right, well, okay, so maybe you've heard this list and you're like, well, there's a couple of other things you could do with some of these materials that you guys didn't mention. That's the reason why we're asking you to let us know. I love to hear what you guys uh, come up with on your own and what you've um, identified that we've left out on the show. We can't think of everything. And if I haven't mentioned it lately, I really appreciate you, the listener. I appreciate you taking time out of your day and lending your ear for a little while. And this is a weekly show and it's free. And if you enjoy it, consider giving us a rating and or a review wherever you get your podcast and this is a weekly show. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenartist.com.